Hi, I'm Audrey Bellis, and you're listening to Brown Girls Rising, a worthy women podcast in partnership with Nylon Español. We tell stories about fierce, femme, leaders, and activists of color bettering our worlds. Let's get started. We are here today with Mandy Torres, and Mandy, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure being here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. For our audience members, you know how I always talk about my thirsty outreaches where I'm like, hi, I girl crush on you and I (laughs) want you to be on this show or I want you to be a speaker for worthy women. I'm almost embarrassed to say I kind of did the same thing. I was like, hi, (laughs) I see you. I know who you are. Come over here. Please come be on the show. Um, But Mandy, it's a pleasure to have you. It's dope being here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um... And for our audience, I'd love for you to just give us a brief synopsis of who you are and what you do so that they can follow up on you. All right. I'm Mandy, a.k.a. Dandy Mandy on Instagram. Um, I occasionally DJ. I rant on Instagram about almost anything and everything from relationship advice to self-confidence, self-love to um, issues on racism, sexism. Um, anything, you know, anything that has to do with activism and feminism. <laughs> That's a lot of isms. <laughs> and I also am now part of a nonprofit organization called Let's Give. Um, I recently was put as director of culture. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. I love that you called them the isms because yeah. <laughs> I think that those are so important and you really do give an unapologetic voice on your Instagram mm-hmm. to things that a lot of people are scared to acknowledge. They're scared to talk about or they're uncomfortable talking about it. And I love that you really just call things how they are uh, and bring a lot of attention to them. Thank and you. I try to. <laughs> good. As yeah. you should. As you should. And I think when I was your age, because um, you're in your early 20s. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm 20. Yeah. You're 20. When I was your age, I don't know that I was that confident um, or that opinionated to be able to really say like, this is some BS and we need to bring attention to it. But I also right. think one of the awesome things about uh, your generation, not that I'm much older, I'm only 31, mm-hmm. but... The fact that like we've just gone through this like pivotal changing election, our society is rapidly shifting and these things are hyper into focus. So for your generation that has grown up very social media hands on, like you guys truly have an opportunity, I think, in a very unique way that other generations haven't for a long time to really say, no, we're not going to stand for this. Right. And And we have like information to get a hold of like right at the tip of our fingers And like social media does like it has its pros and its cons, but I feel like um, spreading awareness on a lot of issues is definitely a pro. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious for you um, because you're very quick to point out like things about otherness, right? Because you Mm -hmm. can see the inequalities has was there a point for you when you first became aware of otherness in your own personal life? Well, I grew up in a small town called Hemet. It's a small little ghost town and um, part of the IE. Yep. And um, yeah, well, like the schools that I went to, they were uh, ran mostly by like the white kids. They were the ones that like basically dominated the school. Yep. And because um, those were the schools that just so happened to be closer to me and that's where I attended. But um, yeah, it was, I, I started just noticing it more and more, especially like when 
I noticed that I tend to cling to like in my group of friends to POC, you know, like that, those were my group of friends. Right. And it's like you just notice like more and more just how much they ran the school and like you just you do feel a little different, especially because I was like in the classes that I was in, like I would take like AP classes in like high school and stuff. Um, I felt like I was like the only brown girl in there and like if anything I'd always like end up being friends with like another brown girl or something and if she wasn't there for the day then I'd feel like hella isolated and just like left out it it was a like uncomfortable feeling and then like it's like being in LA now I got used to being around black and brown folks I got so used to that and then now whenever I go and visit my family out there anything and I just go to like a grocery store and I just see like how like the difference like I I feel is that the un- difference between yeah. going to Whole Foods and Superior yeah and like, that's ex- that's like a perfect example and that's how it feels and like I just like walk in there and it's just like whoa like you kind of feel like out of place and because oh. I got so used to being in this community you know absolutely I'll I'll give you an example I live here downtown right mm-hmm. and we have two grocery stores now we have Ralph's and we have Whole Foods right and I was on an Instagram rant the other day. Uh, I do meal prepping with Eat Naked LA Mm -hmm. and somebody was telling me, oh, the cost of Eat Naked, you're having all these meals delivered. It's like a hundred bucks a week. That's a lot of money. You could Mm -hmm. grocery shop for less. And I was like, "Mm, please let me assure you, you go to Whole Foods (laughs) and you buy yourself two bottles of wine, a thing of cheese and like a chicken and you're easily because it's organic and GMO friendly (laughs) or non-GMO and, you know, fair trade this Mm -hmm. and it's over a hundred dollars. I said, that's impossible here downtown. And somebody goes, oh, that's because you need to be going to something like Superior or Big Saver or Gonzales. And I'm like, do you know where you have to go to to get that? You got to go not even Boyle Heights anymore because it's rapidly changing. You legit have to go up to like Fernan or East L.A. Mm. And even some parts of East L.A. You can't get that. Yeah. You know, the the difference between those things. And I'll give you an example. I grew up opposite experience of you. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Paramount, North Long Beach, where everybody is Mexican and related to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm mixed. I'm half white. And so I always stood out the opposite way. My Spanish mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. I have a really white girl name. Mm-hmm. I have an ambiguous look to me. Like it could go either way or yeah. people always assume like, oh, you have real big eyebrows. You must be Middle Eastern. Yeah. And so I remember like there wasn't even a grocery store in the area. There was a Vons and that became a Gonzales. Mm. And when that happened, all the little carnicerias all went out of business because the big chain came and pushed them out. And it was almost like a choose my experience. Like you go there on the weekends and they've got soccer teams in the front and raffles Mm. and like they've got a shuttle to bring people there, which is all cool. But one, it pushed out mom and pop businesses. Yeah. And two, it was almost like, oh, you think like we're dumb people and you have to attract us with like flash and bang and all kinds of dumb things Mm -hmm. because you think we're not here for what we need. Right. Even to the point of like, do you mean it's been that way? You could date that back all the way towards like, it is. you know, when colonizers came and invaded this land, it's been that way and it keeps, you know, it's maybe they just do it in different ways now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But why does it always have to be, you know, like that? I'll give you an example. Do you watch anything in Spanish? Do you watch like novelas or like any news or any stuff like that? I haven't. Okay. So 
sometimes I will watch news in Spanish, like mm -hmm. if, if I'm with my mom. Yeah, or, I rarely watch TV. That's like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Or like even like El Gordo y la Flaca. Oh, I've seen when I was okay. younger. Yeah, you remember yeah. El Gordo y no, la Flaca? I remember that. Okay, why do they always have to have or Don Francisco, mm -hmm. right? Why do they always have to have a little person or girls in bikinis to right. attract our mm -hmm. attention? Things like that, where I'm like, come on, people, let right. us not let us not be this way. Let's focus mm -hmm. on some intelligence here. Because we have it, I assure you. And I will say this, though. I really wish we could have a more ethnic-focused grocery store here downtown, especially now that Grand Central doesn't have, like, the little oh, mercadito yeah. anymore. Yeah. Because I miss chorizo like you would not believe. <laughs> and sad. a queso fresco yeah. that is not, like, the white version of, it's a queso. No. <laughs> I want queso cotija. Right. Like, where can I get that? And it's actually hard to find. Yeah. Like, we can't get that here downtown, again, because of the demographics. So right. I feel you, girl. But I was on the yeah. opposite side of it. I get. I kind of still relate to you on that because I am, like, I have, like, lighter skin. Yeah. So, you know, there. I wouldn't say I'm white passing, but I do, you know, there always is a certain, according to society, I want to say, like, privilege that comes with um being on the lighter side yep i don't want to i don't want to say like it's a privilege like oh like i'm better than darker skin. That, that, that's not how i mean it. i mean like according to society because well how i mentioned you know the whole like colonizing stuff ever since all that went down it's um been very it's been the message of people of darker skin color like have been seen less of have been you know it's like this message has been really pushed that For some reason, you know, people of darker skin are just to be seen as less of or they're criminalized. And in our society, if you have lighter skin, like you have a certain advantage with a lot of things, with jobs, with um, being accepted into certain things. And I'm going to interrupt you here. When did you first become aware of societal inequalities for people of color? Like, was there an instance for you growing up where you were like, oh, we're being treated different or there's something different here and it's because of the color of my yeah. skin or immigration status mm -hmm. or race or what have you. Um, there's like a few different occasions. Um, one, one example I could think of is, well, like the whole like um, automatic like idea of like people of like darker skin being seen as less of is like within my own family mm -hmm. because I've had um, – darker skin boyfriends and one time that I introduced one of them to um my parents the first thing that they said was ¿Por qué tan prieto? like that was like oh, one yeah. of the first thing like and that bugged them to the max and like I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like what do you mean like why is that a problem like what yes. does that have to do with anything and it was just such a big deal to them and my whole family in general they all like and I noticed that that's a very common thing like once I spoke about it to more people they're like oh no yeah like oh that's how I've talked about it to like other people with like, like a darker skin color and they're just like no yeah that's happened to me like to where like I went over to my girlfriend's house or boyfriend's house or my partner's house and like they ended up telling me that that's what their parents thought too is just like wait why does it like why do you have to bring someone home with like such dark skin and it's just like it's true well there is a lot to do with that yeah. and certainly you know the praise of being light-skinned mm -hmm. right and like, it's also that's another thing that I kind of um how I realized because I would get complimented on that or like you know people would tell me like oh make sure you take good care of your skin like 
Qué bonita con piel no, güerita. And stuff. Like, yeah, no te asoleas, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Not like, to go out in yeah, the sun. They would really like press up. you to stay out of the sun. And then if you like were of darker skin, they would like really press you to stay out of the sun too. So you wouldn't get darker. Yes. But it, like so it true. goes like both ways because then there's that side. But then, you know, to our brown people, it's like you're not. Brown Mexican. enough. You're not brown enough, right? Girl, I am <laughs> never brown enough. I am like point blank told by a lot of people. Mm. Even even listeners on this podcast mm. have told me they're like, "Well, what makes you feel like you can talk about brown girls rising when you're mm. not a brown girl?" And I'm like, "Don't let my white girl name fool you." Yeah. So Mexican. <laughs> I went through a full on like '90s chola phase. I still have that tattoo <laughs> on my butt cheek. Like, <laughs> you know, I sit here yeah. and I go. Um, you know, you can perceive whatever you want, mm. right? But it it is so hard to hear those things, to be told, yeah. like, especially when I've been told, I think, a lot of points in my life of not being enough. Mm. So I'm mixed, right? My mom is Mexican Catholic. My dad is an Italian Jew. I'm never Jewish enough. I'm never Catholic enough. I'm never mm. Mexican enough. I'm white passing. I'm not tall enough. There's always not the enough that mm. people want to point out. And I'm like... You know, it just for me got to a point where I had to stop focusing on that and quite frankly, right. not give two shits about right. what other people think and say, well, you can perceive me however you want. You're so focused on what makes me Mexican enough or right. brown enough. Mm -hmm. Those are your own issues that you need to face for yourself. Right. Um, and so I'm curious for you, because we're talking a lot about brown girls and this is a br this podcast yeah. is called brown, brown girls, girls rising. rising yes <laughs> do you consider yourself a brown girl and is that something that you've always referred to yourself as or something you've come into later I do but I always say I always just identify like Chicana like loud and proud oh I like that yeah like definitely because um growing up my mom would constantly tell me both my parents but mostly my mom she would always like constantly tell me like you are Mexican you are Mexican I don't care if you were born here you are Mexican yes. no one in your family's white no one in your family is anything else like you are Mexican your roots your blood everything about you is Mexican and she would constantly remind me or like tell me that and like in our household it was just all Spanish like we couldn't like anytime we start talking English she'd be like Espanol Espanol no quiero que se te olvide el Espanol like she would constantly like reinforce that not only because we were Mexican, but I think just because, you know, she knew the advantages of like being bilingual, like it'll be better for you when you get a job, like for so many yep. reasons. And yeah, but I always felt a little, I don't want to say I felt weird. No, I always did identify as Mexican, like loud and proud as well. But it was a little confusing because obviously being here, you're not seen. I mean, I wasn't seen like as a white girl either. Like I wasn't seen as American. Right. People would still see me as um, someone of color, as a, a Mexican or you know, obviously not from here, but being in Mexico, you're also still not seen as one of them as Mexican oh, no. because you didn't grow up there. So you're yep. too Americanized for them. So you're kind of stuck in between. And it's that, that saying, ni da ni da ya. I really like took that to heart because, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to me on that. Um, and that's where I feel like uh, the term Chicana is where I grew more comfortable, like identifying as, because I feel like that's exactly what it means. Like for me, you know, like I live here, but this is what runs through my blood. Like, this is in my veins. Like, I have Mexican roots within me. But I wasn't born there. So it's just like Chicana is like the perfect term to kind of identify with. 
I love mm-hmm. that. And I feel like I don't hear a lot of people really using that phrase very much anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's super refreshing to hear that because I think it's it's appropriate in right. exactly the way you described mm-hmm. it. And I can certainly resonate with the ni de aquí, ni de allá because right. at some point you just – you're not, right? You're yeah. actually not for me. The yeah. one you are stuck in the middle. And I think for many groups now, that's a very accurate sentiment that a lot of people feel and really struggle to find the balance with. Yeah. Um, and there's no right answer to that, right? It mm-hmm. ends up being just whatever it is that you come into for your own. And speaking of coming into your own, I got to tell you, I love, love, love your style. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> for the longest time on Instagram, I would like, you know, see the way you dress and your makeup and your style. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's something that's a little bit retro about it mm-hmm. that's like very classic, but I love that it has this almost like, it reminds me of the 90s, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I went through this phase in the 90s with crop tops and baggy jeans mm-hmm. and um, you know, you have the dark lipstick and right. oh my gosh, I used to want to wear dark lipstick and dark lip liner to school because it was the 90s and that was very popular. My mom used to call my liver lips. She was like, only the cholas <laughs> do that, Audrey. Oh my God, I wanted to do it so bad. And I had this wet and wild dark mm. brown lip liner and I used to hide it and when I would get to school I would put it on in the bathroom That's so funny. <laughs> and then when I would at the end is at the end of the day last period you would go and you would wipe it off mm. and but you know it leaves your it stains your lips yeah. just a little bit red my mom would be like why are your lips always so red <laughs> and this is so dumb but I used to be like because I was kissing boys mom and oh, I would be yeah. all sarcastic <laughs> with her and she'd yeah. be like you better not that's so um, funny and we weren't supposed to wear makeup. And I remember we always used to have teachers that would like rat us out. Like, mm-hmm. are you supposed to be wearing that? Um, or even the fact that like right now you're wearing hoops, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh. What I would have given to be able to wear my big hoops and my mom wouldn't <laughs> let me because she was like, no, you're going to look like the cholas. You yeah. can't wear that. And so I had these little hoops, but I was, my friend gave me a pair of like big hoops and I yeah. would swap them out and they were like cheap big hoops and they turned my ears green and That's I got an so infection. Funny. Um, but it's funny the things that we used to do, yeah. right? Like I had my seminario bracelets mm. and I'm like, I'm curious what have been the things that have influenced your style because it's eclectic, but it also feels so familiar yeah. to me. Cause, and it's funny cause I feel like my style confuses people at times. Cause like I switch up like day to day and I think it's just cause I am so into like these different things. I could definitely say like in high school, I really started to get into like, and I still do like have this look heavy is um like rockabilly and pinup yeah. and a little bit of psychobilly but like in, in high school definitely like especially my um junior and senior years like heavy like I wanted like I had I would like do my hair every day dresses like I was super like pinup rockabilly style and I still am but I really like to mix it in with my like Chicana style so I'll still do my hair but I'll like wear like my embroidered like blouses and stuff and like with my waraches. Yeah. And then like one day I'll probably wear like what are called the mom jeans. And it's cool yep. because like my grandma has a little like um in, in Chihuahua, she has a little um room, a separate room where she has like all her vendimia stuff. So like on the weekend she'll go and like sell things. But when I go in there it's like thrifting. So I'd be coming up on like all these like nice jeans and my mom will look at me. She's just like, I used to wear those. I'm like, well I'm wearing them now. Back in style. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let me just tell you, I went through obviously in the nineties, there was a uh, a point where like I don't know if you remember this, but flared jeans had just come back into style. And the bigger your flare, 
like if it covered your whole shoe, <laughs> that's really what I you wanted. That. It's like this bell bottom flare yeah. pants. And I remember my mom was insistent on sending me to school with tapered leg jeans. And I that's was like, so no, funny. mom, everybody has flared leg <laughs> pants now. And then we went through like, and it's funny to see these styles evolve, mm-hmm. right? Um, and like I like now, if you can make it your own. Like that's oh, definitely yeah. what I try to do a lot is kind of just like make it my own. That's why some people get confused because I'll wear like my mom's jeans, but I'll wear it with like my creepers or docks and then I'll have like my hair done but then I'll be wearing like coos and people are like what are you and I'm just like me you know what's I funny mean. I I distinctly remember this I had a pair of creepers in high school and mm-hmm. I wore them for my graduation oh and that's right I, I I used to love those creepers I those know. were like I, that's like those are my I everyday haven't thought shoes. of those in forever <laughs> those are like my everyday shoes I use them for everything if people tell me wear nice shoes I wear those like with like the black drapes. and white ones yeah yes. the, and those I just get those back to back like once one shoe like once one of them like gets too torn up like I just get another pair I use those for shows I use those for if we're going hiking I'll use them for hiking like I'll use them awesome. for anything yeah well let's talk more about your shows because mm-hmm. I know that you spin I know that you're DJ um yeah. I've seen some of your kickback stuff on uh Instagram some of the videos and I'm mm-hmm. always like damn I love this song damn I yeah. love this song <laughs> like it's got this like throwback like mellow vibe but it's still got some hip-hop yeah. and some love and I know for me, I don't have enough style to curate playlists like that. I'm always like borrowing somebody else's going like, oh, I love this. So how do you um, tell me about doing that? Like, how did you end up getting involved in like becoming a DJ Mm -hmm. and doing that? And secondly, what has inspired um, your choices in playlists? Well, I got involved because um, my homeboy Memo, a.k.a. Memo Blaxicano, he throws the Night of the Blaxican events and... um, we just have this big group of friends. We would all like get together and we would like help him out. And then a lot of um, our own friends, like we're the DJs for it. And then um, I remember us like, I remember like just thinking like, damn, I want I'd, I'd be down to hear this at Night of the Black Scene. I'd be down to hear that and that. And it's just like, well, I could play that. And we kind of started talking and he was just like, no, hell yeah. Like, dude, like you can, you can totally like DJ for it. And sure enough, like just the way that Gotti was taught, cause she's the other, um, DJ, they just taught us like right there, like on the spot. Cause it's honestly not hard. I mean, I don't even like saying I'm a DJ because I'm still learning and like yeah. I want to know how to like scratch and like do all that like cool shit before I say like, yeah, I'm a DJ. Cause right now I'm still on some like really basic shit. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they just like showed us right then and there like how to like switch between the records and whatnot and like switch between the songs. And ever since the first time I I spun, like, I fell in love with it. It was, like, super fun just providing the music for people. Like, when people, like, really like your music or when you, like, drop a song and you just hear, like, the crowd go, like, oh, like, she played that. It's, like, one of the best feelings ever. And I guess what inspired my playlist is just because that's the stuff that I just really, like, I kind of mostly like grew up with, you know, like the 2000s, 90s R&B and hip hop. Like I love all that. And then I try to, I want to get more, but like Rock en Español because my parents, uh, thank you to my dad and my mom, like for showing me my nine anitos verdes, hombres hey. Um, I definitely want to like throw that more in there, but those are a little bit more difficult to find. But um, yeah, I try to, and I just try to like, incorporate like all these different genres like I do try to do a little bit of everything but I think like the main thing that people know me for is like the R&B like the 2000s because I like throwing some like 
50 cent some draw rule and like and i love all that stuff I'm like, like you mix yeah. it in some keith sweat because i used to love yeah. keith sweat <laughs> i play like a little bit of everything so I love that. And your mm. audience certainly has grown. I mean, that's mm. how we found you. Um, one of the girls who used to work for me was like, hey, there's this girl. She's an underground DJ. <laughs> I see her on Instagram, but her plugs, like I recognize her. I think she's <laughs> modeled um, for either Honey Bee Gold or Bella Doña because Bella Doña, we had yeah. um, Natalia Dura. Mm-hmm. So she's been a speaker for us twice now. And she's been an incredible supporter in our community. And she was like, Audrey, I think I've seen her there. She was like, wait, but I think she also works next door to us. And mm. I distinctly remember sitting there, pulling up my phone and like looking and being like, oh my God, it's her. It's her. I'm going to go introduce myself like very awkwardly. That's so funny. Um, so your reputation precedes you uh, as like the dope underground DJ that's super popular and making shit happen. Um, and you're, again, you're in. Instagram audience has like significantly grown like you have yeah. like what is your following at now uh it's close to 90k Jesus. I'm like 80 something k Girl, right I was now. just yeah. trying to break 2000 I don't even <laughs> think I've quite done that I think I'm getting close to it um and so let me ask you this how and how long did it take you for that to really scale to where you're like oh my gosh I'm now like in the tens of thousands of followers I I don't know like I Made, I've had an Instagram before a long time ago, but then I deleted it and I was just off Instagram for a while. And then I made the one that I have right now in 2015 mm-hmm. in like the summer. I'm like, same. Mine was like in 2014. And I have not <laughs> even come close to 90,000 followers. <laughs> but yeah, and when I don't, I don't, I can't really remember like around what time. I think because I remember it started maybe like around June or something, my Instagram. And then towards December is when like, you know, I did start getting like a few people like recognizing me and stuff like especially mostly at shows because I would go to a lot of Scott shows. I used to go to like I used to go like Friday through if there was one Sunday, I'd go Sunday like I used to go every weekend. Okay, And that's where. Started started, to pick up. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Has your content changed in the messaging that you're putting out on your Instagram now that you're a leader in your community? Like you are and you're like you're not just a leader mm-hmm. of your Instagram. You are a, a leader in your community. Like mm-hmm. how has that changed for you? Like I know for me, um, ever since we started doing Worthy Women events, mm-hmm. I became very more aware of like stuff that I would post. Like I stopped yeah. posting family things. I very much yeah. started posting things that were very on brand, quote yeah. unquote, um, that were related to Worthy Women to the point where I stopped taking yeah. like my bad lighting selfies Yeah, where I was like, oh no, this can only go on stories. Mm-hmm. I know. I, uh, I've definitely been trying to be more careful with what I do post and what I've, I've been more pushy on things that I feel like I need to be more like present about. Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I stay preaching about, like I've been preaching about <laughs> since the beginning, but it just grew even more because I realized how many people it was helping. Right. Because a lot of people started coming to me telling them that like, you know, my posts like really helped them for whatever, whether it's like to leave a relationship or to, learn how to love themselves or to learn a little bit more about their own culture, like whichever one it is. It's not just the Chicana culture. I always tell people like whatever, wherever you're from, like embrace it's, your it, it's really important. Yeah. And, um, and I just started like really 
pushing the messages even more so because of that, you know, because people are telling me like, you know, don't stop doing what you're doing. It's really helping. And that gave me a really like good feeling like, whoa, because I, I wasn't really aware of it. You know, like I was right. just posting things just because I wanted to post them. Right. And right. then just to see that so many people were like really digging it and it was helping them while it was just me being myself. Like it was a really cool feeling. And I just started to like really like go about it even more you know once people are telling me like yo your posts are really helping me like look at myself in the mirror today and say damn like you're popping I was just like okay so I'm gonna do it even more then like if it can help more people then I'll do it even more I love that Mm -hmm. and I love that it's very you like I feel like when I get you on Instagram it's the same way I get you in real life Mm -hmm. it's unapologetic it's like here I am take it or leave it right um and I love that because I feel like a lot of people you meet them and they're not at all like they mm-hmm. are online. And you're like, oh, I feel so let down. Right. I liked you better, not in person. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, I know that people probably like get mixed feelings about me. I do get that a lot. I know that there is people that like claim that, oh, she's actually like this. She's actually like that. And oh, I'm just like, in some real, but on some real, like, I'm just like, I feel like that happens a lot. And then at the end of the day, it's just like, you don't know me. Like, you probably met me once. Like, how do you know I wasn't in a, bad mood because a lot of uh, another thing about me is like my mood or things that I'm going through like really affect me like and my the way I am towards people so um and I noticed that sometimes I have even like judged people like if they came off wrong and I'm just like whoa I thought you were this way like and then I just try to like keep in mind and remember like someone's probably just having a bad day or maybe they're going through something or maybe maybe they didn't smile at you because they just found out some really messed up shit and like you know like you you just have to keep it's about not making assumptions yeah and that happens a lot as people make assumptions about a lot of oh yeah I do that you know I think we're all guilty of that and that really becomes a a conscious choice to be more present in yourself and and think like all right this person's just doing the best that Mm -hmm. they can and that's the best that they can do right now and that's okay it has nothing to do with me and that's one thing I've really been trying to like check myself about too is like um well yeah exactly what you just said uh to not make assumptions and to really also like practice what I preach because I know recently I was having like a little period of like, well, how you said I'm a very unapologetic person, you know, like right. I could give less of two shits of what you think about me and stuff. But like, I think lately, especially because I wasn't prepared for all of this, like I didn't know I was going to end up getting <laughs> end up getting so many followers on Instagram. I didn't know that I was going to end up being, you know, an inspiration to to people and stuff like I didn't I, was, I wasn't prepared for this. It just happened. Right. So a lot of things that come at me is just like, it was kind of like confusing. It's just like, whoa, like, how do I go about this? You know, because I feel like people are also like looking at me as like this fun, positive person who's like cool and nice. But it's just like, no, like I got my bitch side too. Like, don't test me, you know, like, um, and I was kind of like in this little like mix between like, okay, how do I like stand my ground? But without like looking like a bitch and is and I was just like, wait, no, like be unapologetic, like stand your fucking ground. Even if you do look like a bitch, like just say what you got to say. And that's if that's what I'm constantly preaching about, like to to speak your mind and not the mueras la lengua, like you're biting your own tongue right now. Right. And like, I don't know, sometimes I, I do have to like check myself and it's just like, you know, practice what I preach. That's right. Yeah. You do. I, I can definitely relate to that. I went through um, a period where I felt like I wasn't allowed to be 
vulnerable with my audience. Right. And which is funny because being vulnerable is how I've built worthy women, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about a sense of how worthy do you feel coming from a place of finding your self-worth. And then I would have audience members who would approach me and be like, well, you must feel so worthy, Audrey, because you talk about it all the time. So therefore you must have figured it out. And I felt like I wasn't allowed to fail. Right. Like I wasn't allowed to be human to the point that I even had somebody after our conference ask me to lunch. And she was like, I want you to be my mentor. Mm -hmm. I want to spend a lot of time with you. Like I want to learn from you. And I was having a really bad day that day. Yeah. And I was a little off brand. And she point blank told me, she said, no offense, but I liked you more when I thought you had everything figured out. Like it's a disappointment to see that you're just like us. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, I am just like yeah. you. Like, no That's offense, the, but yeah. this was you in your head. You made that up in your head that I had yeah. no issues, which is your own need for perfection. And guess what? That's nowhere out yeah. there. And I don't I don't try to be that way. And I don't try to show people only the glamour yeah. side. Like, I'm very big on showing people, like, when I'm having a bad day, that's it shows what I up try in my to do Instagram. Too. That's why. And then that's why I get a little confused because I'm like, I've made it pretty public. Like, there was times where I was going through shit and like there was no hiding it like I would like there there wasn't any hiding it and sometimes when people come to me for advice they're like hey Mandy like I need help on this like I know you're strong and you don't let shit get to you I'm just like what are you talking about like I'm the biggest crybaby like yeah like I'm, I'm I was just like I try to show every side of me like I show when I'm down but then when I show when I come back up and I'm ready to give y'all advice on whatever it is but yeah. I make it known like I was at that point the same point that you are at right now I was there too I'm just good right now but that doesn't mean that I haven't gone through things or that I haven't suffered the way you have or you know felt anything that you haven't like I I still am human like I've been through those things That's and right. just because I like give these messages and stuff it's like it's not because I haven't got no. I'm saying those messages because I was at that dark that's spot. That's why as you. you that's why it. I. Yeah, that's why I understand. It's not like oh, I'm just so magically strong and I can just like give. No, it's because I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from okay, I've been through that too, so I know how you feel. And maybe you've even been through worse shit. So I'm telling you, like, you got this. You know, like yeah, absolutely. And like just how you said about um, people won't let you be human. I do feel like sometimes people put me on this pedestal and won't allow that either. Like I, I feel like sometimes people like dump my existence down to just a screen and they don't, they don't see, they don't realize like there's an actual person behind that screen. Like this is me. There's an actual person that is also going through things. So sometimes people come, you know, at me with like, Oh, like why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? Or like, how come you're doing this? How come you took care of that, but you didn't take care of this? And it's just like, you also have to remember, like, I am human. I can only do so much. I'm trying my best. I have, you know, apart from the things that I speak up on is just like, I have a life too. You know, I have school and work, which already takes up as much, like that alone takes up a lot of time. You know, I have, I'm part of an organization. I meet up with a group of women every week that and we speak on issues about sexual assault and we try to figure out how to like bring awareness to these issues and like um you know solve these issues within the community and how to like exclude these people because our system's pretty messed up and (laughs) it's hard for them to well it's not hard for them but like it they suck at helping out like victims and stuff so we talk about like okay what could we do community wise you know, I do a lot of different things and like I do feel like people 
yeah, they hold me on this like pedestal sometimes of um, like, why am I not doing this or that? And then they think that I'm just kind of like kicking back, not doing anything. And it's just like sometimes, yeah, I am kicking back, not doing anything because that's my way of like coping with things and just like taking a breather and like trying to take a break from all these things because it is overwhelming. But I just want people to remember like I'm not saying this so that you don't come to me for help or anything, but just keep in mind I am a human just yes. like you. Like I I have problems just like yeah. you. And I can't it, – it was hard because I was kind of criminalizing myself. And like putting a lot of like self-blame on me, like I, like even taking breaks off Instagram, I feel guilty sometimes because I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like how many people are trying to ask me for help? How many people are doing this? And it like um, one of my very, well, actually the the mom of the founder of the nonprofit organization, Let's Give, Alma, she helps me a lot. And um, she's the one that told me like, remember, you're you can't solve everything. You're one person. You can't come to the rescue every time. You can't solve every problem you're one person right and like it was like really hard for me to accept that because I want to help and I want to be there but at the same time it's just like I gotta take care of me too like I gotta take care of you gotta take care of yourself before you go trying to like help others oh absolutely um and I'm I think what you're doing with the group related to the women's sexual assault victims is so important I spoke at the slut walk last year Mm -hmm. and Amber Rose is a national partner for us and we're doing a lot of work with her this year in fact she's going to be an upcoming guest host here on brown girls rising (laughs) and I think so often women that are victims of sexual assault and sexual trauma are often forgot forgotten about or they're victimized they're re-victimized yes. because people blame them mm-hmm. right for their own actions and one of the things that i love about the amber rose foundation and the slut walk because mm-hmm. people spend so much time focused on like oh it's a slut walk how do you even begin to use that you know that term mm-hmm. it's an empowerment festival mm-hmm. and she actually pays for therapy for women who can't afford it who are victims of sexual assault and sexual that's crime dope. and um, again that's something that i feel don't doesn't get enough attention but she does does tremendous work in the community for That's that really um, and we're very proud partners of her and the work that she does so mm-hmm. I definitely want to commend that uh, from you and also highlight as you mentioned the nonprofit that you're involved in let's mm-hmm. give tell us more about what the nonprofit is what they do and how you came to getting involved in it so let's give is so dope you know um, I became involved because that lady Alma well her daughter um, I saw her perform a poem. She does spoken word. I went to this uh, event called Say Word LA out in Pomona. And she performed there. And I heard uh, she had this poem called Brown Privilege. And it was so beautiful. Like, I was just cheering her on the whole time. Like, and it, she was just, everything was so on point. And I, I recorded her. And after, I just felt the need to go up to her and tell her, like, you're beautiful and your poem is beautiful. Like everything about this is beautiful. And that's exactly what I did. I went up to her and then she was with her mom and then they were just like all excited because I guess she already knew who I was too. And so, yeah, so it was just like, it was so beautiful. It was like brown girl magic, just like <laughs> clicking. And then brown I was just girls like, rising. Yeah, but, that's, what right, that's what it is. And like, um, I told her, like, I took a video of you and then her mom wanted me to send it to her too. And I did. And then um, after that, she would invite me to like do things with her and her organization but like it was always just like I couldn't go because like I had work or something and then it wasn't till uh, my cousin invited me to speak out in uh, UC Santa Barbara and uh, she was like you can invite two people and she was automatic um, her name is nice sorry her name is Naomi aka Morenita 
she likes to go by Morenita. And um, I immediately thought of her. Like when she said, when my cousin told me you could bring two people with you, um, her and my homie Mike. And ever since that, like, we we just did so well together. We all wanted to like do events and stuff. And then that's when I got more involved in her organization. Um, I was a part of uh, her event, a tribe called Culture. And um, that was so dope. Like it was a space, you know, really like focusing on uh, the youth and, and people of color being able to be like vulnerable, express themselves through art, through um, which, whichever type of art, if it's spoken word, music, um, like visual art, like photography or painting, drawing. It was like such a beautiful event. And like, like I said, I grew up in at school, like I grew up going to schools that were very white dominated. So when I got to perform, because I got to perform a poem there. Um, was that your first one that you did? Because I remember seeing that yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, it was so beautiful because I've never been in an audience or let alone a school full of so much like diversity just looking out into a crowd of just black and brown faces like I literally wanted to cry it was just so beautiful and seeing everybody so hyped dancing to the music like there was so much soul in that room like I couldn't describe the feeling and yeah so that was the event where I was really like involved in and then ever since that like I had just been like coming through like because they do a bunch of community feedings um they we go out to Skid Row and do feedings there um they do, they've done like past events where, I, this was before like I got involved with them, but they've done things where they just like, um, did it like, they like donated shoes out in Watts. They um, go spend a day with uh, immigrant workers and they do so much good stuff. They have like three parts to it. So there's like community, culture, and global. Community would be like, well, like the feedings and right. all that. And then culture would be like the event tribe called Culture. And then global is um, them wanting to reach out beyond, you know, California. And one thing that we actually do have planned is I wanted to take a trip to Guatemala for my birthday. And they just so happened, her and her mom, they're, they're from Guatemala. So they were just like, let's go. So I was like, let's do it. And then we were just like, okay, well, let's give is also global. So while we're out there, we should, you know, do a day of service out there. And that's something that we're going to do. We're going to be having an event called um, Let's Taco. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just going to be selling tacos, playing uh, music. And um, yeah, all that money is going to go towards that. Towards uh, We're still deciding exactly what it's going to be for. We were thinking um, donating it to an orphanage in Guatemala. Uh, that's like the number one thing we have. But we're still like deciding what exactly is going to go towards but yeah all that money is going to go towards a good cause i love it oh my yeah. gosh now i want to use that hashtag let's talk about let's it because <laughs> oh, i love tacos right. <laughs> right that's amazing yeah they're super dope and yeah. it's all the thing one thing i really want to mention is that the the group it's based off of uh, millennials so the reason why morenita like created this was just kind of you know there's this like stereotype that Millennials are self-absorbed and, and they lazy. don't care and lazy and it's just kind of to break that stereotype like because it's all like high school and college students doing things just to give back like you know we don't get paid for any of this we're doing it just to give aka why it's called let's give you know yes. I love yeah. that mm -hmm. and I think that's so important um you know having 
elements in your life that are of service to other people really helps to keep you humble. It keeps you grounded. Mm -hmm. And I think really helps to remind us from where we come from, the privileges that we do have. And quite frankly, creating opportunities for us to be better connected together. So, Mandy, uh, for people to connect with you, where can people find you? Well, I don't have Facebook, Twitter. The only things that I have is Instagram and Snapchat. And both of those are Dandy Mandy. So that's Dandy with the period in between Mandy with the I-E. Okay. So D-A-N-D-Y period M-A-N-D-I-E. Yep. Beautiful. Dandy Mandy. And the, or um, you could even check out if you're interested in uh, Let's Give. We're always, um, we're always welcoming like new members and um, mostly volunteers. Um, and you could go to our website, let's give, let's give movement.org or the Instagram let's.give. And you can always DM that page if you're interested. Fabulous. I can be found at Audrey Bellis. And this has been Brown Girls Rising. We hope this episode has inspired you. For more, visit browngirlsrising.com. Follow us socially on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Worthy Women LLC and at Brown Girls Rising for future episodes. Until next time.